This is Thursday, June 2nd, and we're continuing our conversation about God's new city as we walk through this week six of our study called Oso oh Miami. Now, I've had the chance to visit Jerusalem two times in my life. The first time was when I was a grad student. After my year in school, I went on walkabout, as they call it, traveling across Europe and boarding then a, a ship to Greece. I arrived by ship later in Israel at the port of Haifa in the north. Then after about a week of wandering around in Galilee, I took a bus to Jerusalem that left me off very near the Damascus Gate. It's on the north side of the city. From that vantage point, I walked through the gate, past the walls that were built around the time of the Crusades, and straight into the city. Now, there were no great views, only walls and lots of people who were also going into the city as well. My second arrival to the city was completely different. I was with Sandy and other family members in a van. We had arranged a local Israeli to take us to Jerusalem from Ashdod, a port in the south. This time, our guide drove us along a ridge that provided a breathtaking view of the city that ended at the Mount of Olives. Cresting that ridge, all of a sudden, the city came fully into view. The Garden of Gethsemane was at our feet, and across the Kidron Valley was the Dome of the Rock. It was stunning. You see, our guide knew what he was doing when he led us into the city in this way. He want us to, wanted us to behold its grandeur. He wanted us to awe us, you could say, and it certainly worked. Now, here's our text for today, picking up in the chapter where we left off yesterday. Revelation 21, verse 9 to 14. Then came one of the seven angels, who had the seven bowls full of the seven last plagues, and spoke to me, saying, Come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. And he carried me away in the Spirit to a great high mountain, and showed me the holy city Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, having the glory of God. Its radiance was like a most rare jewel, like jasper, clear as crystal. It had a great high wall with twelve gates, and at the gates twelve angels, and on the gates the names of the twelve tribes of the Son of Israel were inscribed. On the three east gates on the north three gates, on the south three gates, and on the west three gates. And the wall of the city had twelve foundations, and on them were the twelve names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. Now with all imagery like this, these words sound strange to us, as if they've been written in code, and indeed this is a code of sorts. John is taken on a tour of God's new city, the holy city of Jerusalem. Now, we're not to think that this is like the earthly city of Jerusalem. Jerusalem is the city name used because at one time God dwelled among his people there. In this city, God will also be with his people and in their midst. Notice that the angel conducting the tour calls the city the bride, the wife of the Lamb. Yes, God's new city is synonymous with the people of God. The glory of God is reflected in the people redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. And again, as we saw earlier, 
the holy city is coming down to earth from heaven. This tour is stunning, far more stunning than my second visit to Jerusalem. The new city radiates with the light of the glory of God himself. But remember, the city is the bride, and it's made up of the people redeemed by Jesus. This means that the very glory of God is upon his people. Yes, originally made in the image of God, now God's people shine forth with his glory. And finally, we are told about the construction of the gates and the foundations of the walls. The gates of the city hearken back to the twelve tribes and the legacy of faith extended through each tribe. You see, God doesn't discard the story of his people. Instead, he redeems them and makes them gates into his new and beautiful city. The tour guide angel is careful to show that there are gates in each direction of the compass. And we might wonder, well, why is that? I think it's because when the people of God were in the wilderness and encamped with the Lord there, they were three tribes were made uh, as a part of each of the compass points that we think of. There are three on the east, three on the west, three at the north, and three at the south. The story of their wilderness wanderings is also gathered up into the New Jerusalem as a reminder that nothing from their story is wasted. And God desires to be near his people as he was near his people in the wilderness. This time was precious to the Lord. Now finally we're told about the twelve foundations under the wall of the city. Walls were built for protection and to give a city its identity, it bound in the city. But the walls require the foundation to support them, to stand. And it is the faith of the apostles, those that followed Jesus and then went into the world to spread this message. These are, what, these are the foundations that the walls stand upon. Now, even and especially in redemption, the life of the tribes of Israel and the apostles of Jesus becomes a source also of life and strength for the city. Of course, throughout, the emphasis is on the Lamb, how Jesus has become the sacrificial Lamb of God to bring forgiveness and life to the world. I don't think it's by coincidence that John has the tour guide that he's been given. This is one of the angels that delivered messages of judgment that now has the privilege of showing John the beauty of the city, the bride of Christ, shining with the glory of God. Now, all those years ago, seeing the city of Jerusalem from the hilltop above the Garden of Gethsemane, you come to see that it is filled with the history of the people of God. The way down the, the hill, walking toward the city, you pass through the place where Jesus prayed with his disciples before he was arrested, You see the grove of olive trees there with ancient trees that Jesus walked through when he came into the city. You see the valley where the faithful prophets of the Lord were buried. And you come to realize that God has been faithful through the ages to his promises to redeem a people for himself and to dwell among them as their God. You see, this is what John is seeing in its completeness, in its fullness. And this is why we should cherish these words. 
We know this day is coming. John is just getting a preview of coming attractions so that he might continue to help us fix our eyes on Jesus. Here's Hebrews 12, 1-3. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Let's pray. Holy God, thank you for giving us a glimpse of what is to come, so that we don't lose heart. Sustain us with your mighty power and with a joy in Christ, your Son. For we pray in his name. Amen.